Hello, and welcome to Thrive, a podcast that gives you strategies and inspiration to help you live your best life. Learn from us, two cancer survivors, as we show you how we don't just survive, but thrive. Hey, just a quick word from our sponsors, The Tea Spot. These amazing teas that are made by The Tea Spot are produced using whole leaf tea, and Dara drinks this tea all day long. I can vouch for that. This company was created by founder Maria, who is a cancer survivor and thriver herself. Get 15% off any purchase from the T-Spot by going to theteaspot.com and using coupon code THRIVE. Hi, I'm Garth Callahan, the original Napkin Notes dad. I'm a seven-time cancer survivor. More importantly, I've been writing notes to my daughter, Emma, and sticking them in her lunch ever since kindergarten. Hi, I'm Dara, author of the book, Crush Cancer, the book I needed when I heard those terrifying words, you have cancer, and creator of crazyperfectlife.com. Welcome back to Thrive, the podcast with Garth and Dara. This week, we have Barbara Vercruz as our guest, and we are so excited to introduce you to her. Barbara is a certified master life coach, business coach, and wrote Start the Life of Your Dreams, a seven-step program to a successful and fulfilled life. She has also battled cancer, stage four skin cancer at the age of 32, and has lots to share. Welcome to our show, Barbara. We're so glad to have you with us. Okay, the pleasure is mine. Thank you. So why don't you take a minute and introduce yourself to our listeners? Obviously, Dara and I know quite a bit about you, but this is your chance to, like I said earlier, be a free spirit and say anything you want to the the audience. Okay, Well, let's start with that date in 2003, April 7th, 2003. I was told that I had a melanoma, skin cancer. At that moment, they knew it was bad, but I still had to make some tests. And after a few days, they told me it doesn't look good. It's a stage four cancer and you have metastasis in your lymph nodes. So I was heading up for several surgeries and a year of chemotherapy. I was 32 at the time and my youngest son was eight weeks old. Oh my goodness, Barbara, I did not know that. Yes, yes. Um, My oldest was three years and a half. My middlest was two years and a half. And my youngest was was newly born. They had to stop breastfeeding. I I was still breastfeeding him and I had to stop doing the breastfeeding. So I really want to share a crucial moment, you know, like when we have these deep crises in our lives, especially at a young age, when you're really young. I was 32 and the first night in hospital. I was, you know, like alone in hospital. I had a surgery the day after. Where was, was your melanoma? On my knee. Okay. My knee. So you had surgery on your knee? Yes, first surgery okay. on my knee. And the next week they had in my right leg to do all the lymph nodes, you know, okay. like have all the lymph nodes to go out. So I was in bed in the hospital. And for the first time in four years, I didn't have a child with me. No, I was separated. I didn't have my husband with me. So I felt very, very lonely. And I started crying, really, you know, like loneliness, overwhelm. And then at a certain moment, I was thinking, stop, stop it now. Your three, you know, like two toddlers and a baby, where they are now, they are deeply loved. They were with my parents and my parents-in-law. They are still small children. So, you know, like they are with their grandparents, surrounded by love, so they are in a good place. Crying now does not help you. I was talking to myself. So I really made a decision to do 
all what was in my power to help myself. And helping myself, it was through thinking positively and being hopeful and finding some power within myself. I knew that being negative, being depressed and crying would not help me. I surrendered to the doctors. I knew that I was in good hands. And the medical side, you know, like I let it in the hands of the doctors. But what I could do for myself was really to have hope and to have courage. And from, you could say, it was really like a switch in my head that I turned and I did not allow any negativity coming in. So, you know, like the first days, you know how it is for husbands or wives, for parents, you know, like they're devastated. They are devastated. My husband, he was told that I maximum I had six months to live. I would not be there at the end of the year. My parents who were still in their early 50s, they were devastated too. So I had visit in the hospital the next day and everybody was crying. And I had even old friends who came over. I didn't see in years wanting to see me like for a last time. And I really had to tell everybody I'm not dead. I'm still here. No, I am not dead. So I do not need your pity. I do not need your tears. What I need from you now, your love, your support, and really talk about life and what's happening outside these hospital walls. It would not help me to repeat the sixth story over and over, like how can you imagine this happened to me and how awful and how bad that would not help me. And repeating it would certainly not help me. And I told especially my close family and my husband, you can cry all you want, but not where I am. Because in the beginning, I really had to encourage them, which was like, you know, like the mm-hmm. world. You know, right. like I, it's okay, it's gonna be okay. And I went, no, no, it's so, and I say, okay, I know. And I don't know, I, at this day, I cannot tell where the courage or the power or the fate came from. It's just that it was my own action. That is so powerful, everything that you just said. And I just want our listeners to really think about this, whatever they are personally going through, because basically what you're saying is you have a choice. And we talk about that a lot on our podcast. You have a choice and you made a choice in that moment to choose positivity and to choose hope. Yes. But were you someone that really had traveled through your life being such an optimistic and positive person? I, I mean, that's an unbelievable place that you were able to take yourself to. I had gone through a lot as a child. The environment I grew up in was not always a stable environment. I had seen around me lots of depression and also alcoholism. So I had from an early childhood seen how people use their circumstances to pull themselves down, how people use their circumstances to start to drink, to continue to drink. You know, like I could see since you could say like teenage years, I was thinking if people use circumstances to pull themselves down, we can use our circumstances to make ourselves happy too. If you use your circumstances to make yourself unhappy, you can do the opposite. So that was my mantra. That's amazing. I love that. I was listening to you 
share your story. And there were three things that really stuck out to me. One is that you knew the date of your cancer diagnosis. I can say, I know my date. I know my first date. The rest of them uh, kind of blend in at this point. Um, but I would venture to say that Dara knows her date. And, oh, you don't? No, I actually don't. In fact, I did this interview for TV and he kept he kept saying, Dara, what's the date? And I was like, I know the date. I know the month. You know, I don't I don't know the exact date. Fair it's enough. just a personality thing, you know? Well, and, and so what was interesting for me is if, if I were to try to pick out another milestone in my life, mm -hmm. you know, like the first time I drove a car, mm -hmm. I couldn't pick that out. I absolutely can't pick out the first date that I had with my wife, but thank goodness I at least know our anniversary, right? But that date of not even just my first cancer diagnosis, of my first symptom, I know. Mm -hmm. And then of course the choosing positivity, that, that's something Dara and I, we just talk about over and over and over again. And I remember after my first cancer surgery, about a year had transpired and I was still not in a great place. And I was moping around the house, having a pity party. And I realized that that afternoon, my family kind of avoided me. Oh. So I, I was downstairs on the sofa and my wife and daughter kind of did their thing somewhere else. And I realized at that point that my pity parties were really kind of encroaching on the family time and family enjoyment. And that's when I chose to be positive. And I said, you know, I can have this pity party. I'm going to allow myself one day a week for an afternoon and I'll feel sorry for Garth, but the other six days, six and two thirds days of the week, I need to be a good husband and father and be positive. And by giving myself permission to have that pity party, I don't think that I ever had one, but just that process of allowing myself to say it's okay to do that, as long as I'm not harming my family, I kind of forgot. And then the last thing, and I know that I've done this, when you as a cancer patient, you're talking to others and they start to get upset or they start to cry. And so you're the cancer patient, right? You're the one who's sick and you find yourself comforting the other yes. person. That's such a turn of events. And I know that I've done that and people kind of, they look at me suddenly and they think, oh my goodness, I feel so badly that I'm making Garth try to console me. And I think it's just part of the process because people don't know how to react. No. So Barbara, when did you, because you were 32 and I don't know how, you, how old you are now, but I imagine it's been quite a while. Well, it was 2003. <laughs> okay. Okay. 15 years ago. Okay. Which is so amazing and beautiful and congratulations. I mean, that's such a huge blessing and the world is better because of all of the wonderful things that you're doing. I mean, that's such a, an amazing accomplishment. When did you know in your heart that you were going to be okay? Or was it that night? Did you just know in your heart? Well, I had it after my second surgery, there was one big surgery where all the lymph nodes were, how do you say it? They took them out and it's, you know, like my right leg was swollen. I was in horrible pain. I woke up out of surgery. It was a four hour surgery. I was in pain, pain, pain. And my sister, we were in the hospital room. And as I woke up, my sister was sitting at my side and I was, you know, like in so deep pain and tears were just rolling down my cheeks. And at a certain moment, I was thinking, okay, how much pain can I bear now? And then I had like a moment that instead of struggling against the pain, I just surrendered. And I was like, okay, you know, like, okay. And in ending a kind of internal struggle, I had this deep, deep peace. 
coming over me. And I felt this very, very warm presence, you know, like saying to me, it's okay, you are going to be okay. And I was even crying more. And my sis was like, oh, what's going? And I'm, I, I was telling her, it's going to be okay. And she was like, what? What are you telling? And I say, just calm down. I am going to survive. I am going to be okay. And I still had a year of surgery, um, chemotherapy to go. But it, at that moment, I cannot explain like rationally what happened. I just had a kind of deep feeling of comfort and faith, like it's okay. So from then on, I was, there was no more struggle within me. And it was also the moment where I really thought about looking back my legacy. You know, when you are at that moment and you know, what if it's over? What if it ends here? If I look back at those 32 years. And your kids were so young. So young. and. For me personally, like, was I fulfilled with what I left behind or what I left of myself into the world? And the answer was no, no, no. Because a part of me had not blossomed. I had lived the life that was expected from me. I you played I, it. You played it safe. I played it safe. I played it how I thought it should be, you know, like going high school, college, marriage i started a business because i'm a very passionate driven person so i was a business owner no like married three kids in four years the life really really a life for the approval of others although it was at an unconscious i i was not conscious you know like conscious of that i was just like how it's supposed to be you are working for the big house for the car uh you are i was happy at a certain level. I was happy. I was not unhappy. But was I the best Barbara could give? No. I had so much more to give. And do you feel like you you had to go through what you went through in order to figure that out? Yeah, certainly. Certainly. I needed that shock. That's why until now it's a blessing. Yes. It's a blessing that I that I had it, that I survived it. It made me rediscover a site that I, you could say, buried. Because as a child, as a young girl, I was writing poetry, I was painting. I was a spiritual person already. But that side was completely buried under practicalities of life. And I was a loving mom. And kind of, you know, like a part of my spirituality, I could put into motherhood. You know, like the love for your babies, for your children, the reading stories, the praying, you know, like there's a big part that you can give there. But there was a part like I felt like there was so much more to it. So I started a journey, you could say, of self-discovery, starting to read um, spiritual books, self-development books, taking courses, taking a certification course for coaching, you know, went meditating. And it was like a complete world went open for me. And I would never have had that without the cancer, never. Because I never would have thought so deeply about my legacy. And now, every day, every day when I wake up, first of all, I'm deeply grateful to wake up. No, I'm I'm so grateful that I'm alive. I'm so grateful that the life is given to me. You know, that I think for everyone who survives, that's a profound lesson, the gift of life. You know, like so many people in the morning don't want to get up. Well, 
once you have heard that maybe it's over, you appreciate it so much more. So not only being grateful, but really living as if it's my last day. Very often, if you know, I have three teenagers and they can be, you know how teenagers are. They can be rude. They are. <laughs> no, we don't. No, we don't know what no. you're talking about. Our, t- our teenagers are not like that at all. It's a sports for them to say white or the opposite. Yes, yes we understand. Yeah. But many times, you know, like before going to bed, I'm like, I do not want to end my day like this. Mm-hmm. They have already, you know, like it has after so many years, it has sinked in that we don't go to sleep when our last words were not nice to each other. Really, even if they say mom, you know, like mom, I say, come here, give a hug. No, like, and even if they, you know, like, they know. They often say, mom, you're, you know, like, I'm the love and peace mom. You know, like, <laughs> they, they're like, oh, you yeah. know, it's, yes, I'm all love and peace. Because, you know, it's, it's too precious. You know, like, this time together is too precious. Even if we quarrel, even if I can be very frustrated, if the three of them are there with their phones, playing their music, it's <laughs> I'm working many, many hours a day. It, you know, like I am tired too. I'm cooking. They're in the couch, you know, like the normal things, but always having that under, how do you say it? The foundation, like, come on, you know, like. I think what you're saying is you recognize that life isn't perfect, but that you are so grateful for all of it because you understand how precious and sacred it is. Yes. And I really want to give that, you know, like that my, my, my husband is conscious of it. I really want my kids to be conscious of that, um, to, well, that the time together is precious. Let's not waste it. Let's not waste our time. Let's not waste our day. And certainly let's not waste our days in negativity, in blaming, in accusing, in complaining, in whining, you know, like, life's much there's too much to discover there's too much to you know like to explore in life to see you just have to be a willingness there has to be a willingness so the three of us are all cancer survivors no we're thrivers thrivers Uh, and (laughs) all i can you know i i know that this has been a personal mission of mine for years at this point and i feel that both of you have very similar mindsets but You know, gosh darn it, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't had to go through this type of health crisis, please don't lose the opportunity of living your best life. You should be waking up with a purpose and waking up with intention, living a fantastic life and changing the world around you, being great to your family. Just don't use our pain, use our journeys ourselves, flourish within your own life. I know that I have countless conversations with people that they're kind of going through the motions Mm -hmm. and going through the motions. Look, we all have off days, but when it stretches out into months or years and, and you're really not doing any justice to your own life, you know, you don't want to have to have a crisis to kind of wake you up. And I think that I was pretty okay living an intentional life before cancer, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't really, really good. And whereas today I do actually wake up and Dara can attest to this. 
I kind of think every day, okay, this is, this is it. This is the last day. So what do I need to do today? That's the important thing. And mm -hmm. then everything else is kind of extra. Think yes. how amazing the world would be if everyone woke up and live that way. Just think about all the interactions that we would have and how happy people would be and how joyful and it would all just impact everyone. And so I know sometimes when I'm having a conversation with someone who just and you don't want to judge people, but sometimes if I'm having a conversation with someone, I feel like they're just, they're not getting it or they're taking everything for granted so much. I just want to shake them a little bit and say, you know, wake up, open your eyes because there is so much beauty. And I do believe that it is everyone's human right to live the life that they want to live if they'll mm -hmm. let themselves. And just like you said earlier, it's a choice, a daily choice. Yes daily choice. And I think at a certain point, when you feel like people are not willing to evolve, are not willing to grow, are not willing, like you say it, to get it, you kind of unintentionally, but it happens, you leave them behind. You surround, you are, it, it's like, you know, like, Traction thing. Dara, we are in the, your digital formula. You, you have Facebook communities, Facebook groups, where you meet people who are completely aligned with who you are. You support each other. You are like, well, you, sometimes I feel like I'm living in another reality than most people because the people I'm surrounded with are positive, are supportive, are, you know, like we help each other like that, we do it. And when I sometimes, when I see old friends and you, you meet them in the street and you hear the stories, nothing has changed in their life since five years ago. They're still complaining about their husbands, about their jobs, about, you know, like their mother-in-law. And you're like, oh my God, wow. You know, like you're so far away from that kind of life that you're, for me, it's it's even amazement that I feel even more blessed, like, oh my God, gosh, I thank social media for that. I met you, you know, like so many Absolutely, people. Absolutely, yeah. And you know, like that we, we, if we didn't have that, we would be still in the 18th century. Mm. We would be isolated, we would be on our own little island. And now we can connect all these islands of love and kindness, we connect we make, you know, like this huge community of people who, well, who have purpose, who all these little drops who, who help. I'm, I'm so convinced that we are doing this ripple effect that we have in the world. You know, like even my newsfeed in my Facebook, it's all positivity. It's all love because, you know, like other people, they're just, the distance goes naturally. It's not even a struggle. They, you're just too... You know, like, I think there's some kind of quote about that. You know, like, if you're too happy, so the negative people stay away. Yeah, I think we attract what we put out. And so if you're putting out a lot of positivity, you're absolutely attracting, I think, positivity back 100%. And and I think the most important thing is if people still, you know, like, if you meet people who are still in, in that mindset of complaining, since you are not entertaining those thoughts and you're not really going into the discussion they don't come back to you because they don't feel like they have a ground you're like staying out of of their energy or staying out of their words and they 
just don't look you up anymore. You know, like they don't look for your company anymore because you're not entertaining the story they want to live in. Barbara, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. And I think you have so much wisdom with everything that you're saying. What would you tell someone who is currently facing a challenging situation. It could be anything. It could be maybe they lost their job or they're having marital issues or maybe they are dealing with an illness and they feel like they've been negative for a while. And maybe they're listening to this and maybe they are thinking, okay, I want to start to be positive, Mm -hmm. but I'm so used to being negative. You know, it's easy to say it's just a choice. But yeah. how did they how does someone really live that? So what would be some advice that you could share? Well, um, I have several tips you could say. First of all, absolutely surround yourself with supportive people. You need that support, but genuine support, not people who are, you know, like really genuine support. Be part of communities like you start your Facebook community. Be part of communities that are going through the same thing and that can support you, who understand you at a profound level, what you're going through. I would say read books, read books about cancer survivors or thrivers or or people who went to really challenging periods. What did they do in their lives? How did they overcome those periods? Really, I think that's very, you know, like get infused, get infused with the positivity of people, get infused with the knowledge of certain books. And then, you know, like by infusing yourself, it will dissolve. The residual negativity that you have will dissolve. What was interesting about that is out of all of your tips, and, and I think that most people would kind of expect to hear most of those tips with the exception of one thing. And I wholeheartedly agree with it. And I loved to hear it, which is read books. Yes. Because in my mind, And there's a quote, and I'm really bad about quotes. Dara can tell you this, that I I remember a quote, but I don't remember who said it or where it was. And this quote is about reading. And it basically says, you know, you are the same exact person who you were 20 years ago, except Mm -hmm. for the people that you meet and the books you have read. Yes. I think that if you meet somebody who is an avid reader, you know mm-hmm. that that person has a growth mindset. They're always going to be learning and growing and, and becoming better. <laughs> Absolutely. Barbara, tell us a little bit about the Start the Life of Your Dreams program that you wrote, speaking of writing. Yes, it's an ebook with a workbook. It's really something that's very practical. There's part of my story, but each times the tools, you know, very practical, like watch your thought patterns, you know, like journaling in the morning, in the evening, you know, in the morning, setting your intentions for the day. Uh, For me, my most important intention is always whatever comes my way, whatever storm I may face today, I will stay calm, peaceful and centered. Does it work every day? No, (laughs) but I have intention. And I'm, you know, like if you are prepared that storms may come, if you're a prepared woman and at the end of the day, I think that's a very, very powerful exercise. Write down your predominant thoughts of the day. Were they positive? Were they mainly negative? Were they in between? Just be to become conscious. How do you talk to yourself? Because many, many times, I think especially women, we can be very critical to ourselves. Absolutely. 
even if we're ill, we want to look good. What did I, you know, like send you just before the interview? Is it video or audio? You know, like, <laughs> look good? Yes, that's how we are. We want to look good. We think, we, you know, like it's just DNA. It's for a big part DNA. We, will, we, we all have this, we want to be perfect in every way. And we can be so critical. So the program is really giving tools to raise your awareness on how you go through life. And in how more aware you become, how more aware you become of the choices you have and how powerful you are in creating the life you want for you, you know, like you really need a certain time to practice, to practice. So that's the program about. I'm in the process of writing a book, which is more like the title will be the book of realizations because I went to many, you know, like the cancer is one of the challenges and all the spiritual lessons I learned from overcoming every challenge. You know, yeah, I'm coach. I have personal coaching clients and I'm a business coach for BMW. So that's, you know, like a big part of my time working uh, with BMW. So I'm really into real life, which is important for me because for me, most of my personal coaching clients are business owners, corporate leaders, you know, and in being all every day in the real world, in business, being a mom, being a wife, having my coaching business, I'm so much more of value for my clients. Because you get it. Yes. And I'm in the real world, you know, like I'm not in the woo, you know, like, <laughs> if, you know, like, like we, we can all be Zen on, on a mountain in a monastery. We can all be Zen there if we meditate all day, but to stay calm, centered, powerful, peaceful, loving and kind in a messy, messy environment, which we have, that's real training. And that's free. That's a big difference. One thing that we do during the, the Thrive podcast is every week I go through one of the, the notes that I've written to my daughter. And at this point, uh, Emma is in her freshman year of college. She's about to run out of the notes that I've sent with her. I think Thursday is the last day of notes and she's coming back for a couple of days. So I need to get on it and write another month or so worth of notes to last her through Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. But the three of us, I think one of the most common things that we have is really embodied in this note that I picked out for today, which is dear Emma, surround yourself with people who get it love yes. dad Ooh, that was perfect garth gold star for you thank yes. you you're welcome so barbara we always ask our guests before we say goodbye to share a thriving tip with our listeners and a thriving tip is just a little nugget of goodness that you've shared so much with us but that our audience can kind of take with them and maybe give them something to think about so can you come up with maybe one thriving tip be the awesome you you are so amazing. You are so deserving. You are so lovable. And with that realization, knowing that, dare to be you. Wow, Barbara, that is beautiful. I love that. <laughs> I mean, amazing. Tell us where our listeners can find you. Well, they can find me on my Facebook page. Um, which is Barbara Vercruz, Start a Life of Your Dreams. If people are willing to work with me, they can message me through my page and I look into my messages every day. So that's the and best. And we'll put the link in our show notes for sure. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today. You gave us a plethora of information to think about and so much wisdom. And our, I know our listeners will love learning about you. 
I know I got chills when you when you gave your thriving tip because that's that's exactly what we're about on the Thrive Podcast. Absolutely. I'm Dara Kurtz, author of Crush Cancer, available on Amazon and creator of crazyperfectlife.com. I am Garth Callahan, the original Napkin Notes Dad. You can find out more about me at napkinnotesdad.com. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thrive is created by Dara Kurtz of Crazy Perfect Life and Garth Callahan, the Napkin Notes Dad, with the hope that we help you develop motivation and inspiration to make your life remarkable. It would mean so much to us if you shared this with your friends and family and left us a review on iTunes. Remember, you deserve to thrive. Thrive Podcast is copyrighted by Dara and Garth.